Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, uh, to the book of uh, the book of Luke, chapter uh, six. We'll begin uh, with verse number twenty-one this morning. We talked. Uh, we talked last week about Jesus coming to the point of his ministry where he's ready to call uh, his uh, his disciples and the people who are following you, following him. And uh, he's ready to do some uh, organization. He's ready to get some structure. And we talked about last. We talked last week about how he wants to use each and every one of us in his work and use each and every one of us uh, for his uh, his purpose and uh, in his uh, his kingdom. And they all gathered there. All the disciples gathered with uh, with Jesus up on a mountain. And he not only called those people to be his disciples, but he had some people, 12 people, the 12 apostles, and he called them for a specific work and a specific job. And we were reminded that the Lord has a specific work and a specific job for you and me, and we are too busy searching our hearts and searching in our time with God to see what that is. But then we saw what Jesus' ultimate desire was. It's for us with him to come down from that mountain and begin to mingle with the people and for him to show what his ministry was all about. And his ministry was among the lost and it was among the hurting and it was among the suffering. And he went to reach and he went to minister to those people. And so now that he has called these disciples as he's gathered them together and as he's appointed some for special tasks, and as he's demonstrated them what their ministry is to be about and what the service of the Lord is to be about, he wants to take a time and he wants to call them together in these verses and he wants to sit them down. He wants them to gather around there in the midst of that plain and he wants to teach them. And that's what the Lord wants to do to you this morning. He wants you to sit in his presence. He wants you to sit before him in your time of prayer. And he wants to sit with you uh, with, with you in a time to sit before him and for him to teach you, to teach his disciples. Because he knew that if they were going to be his disciples, they were going to have to learn, unlearn everything they thought they knew about life. Everything they thought they knew of what success was. Everything of what they thought they knew victory was all about. Everything that they thought that God was going to be about. And he was going to have to reshape their minds. He was going to have to reprogram them. And he was going to have to teach them. And he started off in his teaching talking about their attitudes And I know that all of us this morning need to do just like, oh, Hank Williams Jr. needed, wasn't it? Needed a little attitude adjustment, right? So this morning, as we read these scriptures, I pray the Lord will give each of us an attitude adjustment and that we be willing and that we follow his words and that we heed them and just don't need that attitude adjustment upside the head for us to listen. Amen. So let's listen to the Word of God this morning as we read together in the book of Luke, chapter 6. Let's begin with verse number 20. And it says, He lifted up his eyes uh, on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spawn, and spawn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so the fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that um, during this uh, just a few moments, Lord, that we spend in your word, Lord, that we just sit before you, Lord, and we allow you to teach us. Lord, we allow you to shape our hearts, Lord, and we allow you to change our minds. Lord, I allow you to just be that little bit of clay. And Lord, during this time, just allow you to mold us evermore day by day, into your image. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I wanna ask a question for you this morning. How many of you have an attitude problem? Now, I don't want you pointing at people here in the sanctuary. I want you to think about you and your heart. How many of us really struggle with our attitude? You know, when we think about the word uh, attitude, we think about certain people. Or maybe we think about us in certain days in our life. You know, sometimes we just wake up with a bad attitude, don't we? We just wake up in a bad mood because we, uh, we woke up late, you know, because our team didn't win last night or we missed our favorite show or we got to face people we don't want to face, buddy. We just wake up in a bad mood. And we are not going to rest that day until we have taken everybody and we have put them in the same bad mood we're in, right? Anybody been there before? And then there are people that are just always happy, right? They just wake up, buddy, and they're just so gleeful, and they just come into work, or they just come in school, and they just jump around, and everybody's happy. So they done got their cup of coffee in this hand, cup of coffee in this hand, and they're just all talking happy, buddy, and you just ain't ready for that. And this morning, you just want to reach over and slap them, don't you? I'll tell you what, in Jesus' name, by the way, slap them in Jesus' name. We, like, we think about that as attitude. We think about our current situation, our current emotional uh, moment. Or we may say, uh, see some people and we may say they have a bad attitude. Or we may, people always told me, you know, that I always had trouble with my mouth because I was always saying things I didn't want to say. You know, I was always trying to make jokes and be sarcastic. And they say, your mouth's going to get you in trouble one day. And it did get me in trouble. I'm here preaching stuck with all you people. So I'm in trouble. But anyway, we think about that. We think about our attitudes being our current state, the way we feel about the things around us right now, and our attitudes kind of come up and kind of come down based upon the situations. But what the Lord wants to think and what Jesus wants to think about us and our attitudes is the general way to which we perceive the world around us, that sort of filter, that sort of lens to which we interpret the world around us. We think about it like this sometimes even as non-believers. We think about those who are optimists and those who are pessimists, right? We always think about, you know, there's some people in life that see a glass you know, that's half, uh, you know, some people see that glass and uh, some people see the glass is half empty. 
You know, those are the pessimists. They always are looking on the negative side. And every time something goes on, they always think about it negatively. You know, they always think like the sky's going to fall. You know, everything's out to hurt them. Everything's just negative, negative, negative. And then they're just always the pessimists, those people who see the glass as half full. And, uh, and they always are looking on the bright side of things. You know, they're always trying to find some good out of what's happening in life. And so they always see the glass as half full, and they always are looking for that sense of optimism. And then there's just like the smart Alex that look at that cup and say, well, it's not half empty or it's not half. Maybe just the glass is too big. You need another glass. And so we think about that, and that's how he wants to adjust our attitudes or look at our attitudes. He wants us to think about the way that we see events around us, the way that we interpret what happens in our life. And it's important that Jesus gives us this teaching, and it's important that he explains it to us because we would never figure this out on our own. None of the self-help people would ever tell us this truth. None of the psychologists or the psychiatrists or all those people would be able to teach us this thing because what Jesus tells us this morning is completely upside down, isn't it? It's completely opposite of what we would think because look at what he said. Look to whom he says are blessed. Look to whom God says, look, I'm going to give you a blessing. Look, here's are the people who are on my good side. Here are the people to whom I'm going to do work in. Listen to this. You know, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, you know a lot of people, you know, they'll, uh, they'll get an uh, extra bonus check or they'll go get one of them uh, scratch-off tickets down at the gas station while they're getting their chicken, and uh, they'll win a couple of bucks, and uh, they'll get that couple of bucks and say, but I'm highly blessed because I got me a little extra money. But nobody, when you ain't got no money and the bills are coming and you're just poor, go and think, man, I'm just so blessed because I'm good and poor. Y'all don't think like that, do you? If you think like that, probably something's wrong with you. But listen to what else he says. Blessed are you who are hungry. And I'm sure most of us skipped breakfast this morning, so we're feeling really blessed right now because we're hungry. And he said, blessed are those who are hungry, for they shall be satisfied. And then he goes on to say, he said, blessed are those who mourn, for one day she'll be left. You know, we never feel like blessed. We never feel like God's on our side when we go through those things. And then he goes down. And he goes even further. He says, blessed are you when they talk bad about you, when they exclude you, when they revile you, when they call you all kind of uh, horrible names on my account. He says, rejoice and be happy. Jump up and down. I don't think I jump up and down when I get excluded. Do you? I don't think I get excited when I get called bad names. So Jesus wants to shape our attitudes. He wants to shape the way that we think about our lives. And he wants to make it completely different from what we would think in our hearts and our life and completely different to what the world thinks. He wants to entrench us to something new. So how can we be blessed in this way? Well, what he wants to tell us, tells us is this. He said, blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as we read these verses, I'm sure most of you in your mind were drawing the similarities to the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus taught many disciples. 
and he tossed them in many different places. And the sermons were different, but basically teaching the same thing. But when he talks about this type of poverty, it's a word that was used sometimes in the Old Testament to talk about uh, poverty of piousness or kind of like a spiritual lacking. And what Jesus wants us to know is blessed are we when we come to the position in our life when we realize we are lacking. You know, it's easy for us to come to God. It's easy for those who are poor and needy to come to God because they are aware of their need. They are aware that they need help. They are aware that they need someone to stand in for them. They are aware that they need something to lift them up. They are aware that there's something in their life that they may not be able to provide for themselves. So they are, in a sense, they are humble because they realize that they are needy. And when you are humble, it sets forth the ultimate key for us to coming into the knowledge of Jesus, doesn't it? When we realize our needs, when we get to the point where we realize that we are lacking and we need someone to help us, we need a rescuer, we need salvation, we need a deliverer, we find it in Jesus Christ. And isn't it great? So he said, blessed are you. Blessed are you who are poor. Because that poverty opens your heart and your life for the need that you have in your life. And when you find yourself in a situation where you experience poverty here in life, when you experience suffering here in your life, when we turn on and we put our hope and when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he fills us and he opens to us his kingdom. Isn't it good to know that God can do more for us in our times of need than what we can do for ourselves? So we trust in him and we trust in his blessing. And we may come around and we talk about how tough our struggle is and how poor, poor we are and we just drive it around a beat old truck and we ain't got much of a job, you know, and the house is falling in. But isn't it great to know that in Jesus Christ, I have the kingdom of God. And I have a whole treasure that's waiting for me there in heaven, right? I may live in a rundown house, but I got a mansion waiting on me, right? And so we can have that trust and we can have that. But Jesus says, I want you to carry that attitude in your life. And so when you face the poverty, when you face that lacking, you don't go down, whoa, it's me. Why does God hate me? No, God loves you, and you are blessed. Because not only does that poverty open your eyes to the need for Jesus, but you have so much waiting on you. So much greater to have the treasures of heaven than the treasures here on earth. Then he also said, blessed are those who are hungry, for they shall be satisfied. Man, have you ever been real hungry before? How many of y'all real hungry right now? Wish that preacher would go ahead and finish this so y'all don't go down to Huddle House. But we all know what that sense of hunger is like and how you just feel it in your body. 
and how when you experience that hunger. I used to ride, uh, I used to ride bicycles a lot, and as you can tell, I don't ride them much anymore. But uh, I used to ride, and they had this thing called, uh, called bonking. And basically what it is, that as you ride on a bicycle, and as you ride it, you're consuming, and your body's going through all kinds of, uh, of uh, 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 lots of calories and lots of energy and lots of things that come from your body. And if you're riding over long distance, you have to have the, uh, the discipline to actually keep eating and actually fill yourself with food that uh, even if you're not hungry, because if you don't, after a while, your body just kind of runs out of gas and you bonk, and it's just like the weirdest feeling because you could just be in the greatest shape of your life, but you're your legs just don't move and your body just feels like it's about to shut down because there's just no energy. And when you have that sensation and you finally get to somewhere where you can get something to eat, buddy, you just tear the whole thing up, don't you? And you know when you're hungry, you just feel that desire like, I got to get to food. And when you feel that sense of thirst, you feel like, I got to get to water. And what Jesus says is he wants us to get to a disposition where we hunger and we thirst, not just for food, not just for water, but we hunger and thirst for his righteousness. But too many times in our life, we're just content, aren't we? We're just content. We got salvation. We're content. We're satisfied. We think we got all that we need from Jesus. But then there's some among us, and I hope there's some among us here in this church that are hungry. They want more of Jesus. They want more of God. God did some things through them in the past, but they want to see more. As Paul would charge the churches there in Thessalonica, he said, I want you to grow in your faith, and I want you to learn to love, and I want you to do it more and more. I want you to be ever-increasing in your love, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to ask you this morning, are you hungry? Are you really seeking after God? And it's really when we seek after God do we find true satisfaction? Because why are we so content in our relationship with Jesus Christ? Because we're satisfied with what we have here on the earth. We're satisfied with our pleasures. We're satisfied with our boats and our funds and our sports and our jobs and our friends and our houses and things like that. But we know those things don't give us ultimate joy, do we? Especially when the payment comes due for those things. And we really find ourselves in this world chasing after thrills and we're satisfied for a little bit, but then we want the greater thrill. And we move on to the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing, but it never fills us up and it never satisfies us. But when we put our trust in Jesus, when we chase after him and his work, it's in him that we find satisfaction. So let's be hungry. Let's run after God this morning. He said, blessed are those who are mourned, for they shall laugh. You know, we all want to be happy, don't we? But sometimes, you know, to be happy, we close our eyes to the things around us, don't we? We close our eyes to the pain of the people around us. 
We close our eyes to our problems, and we just want to forget about them because those things bring us hurt and those things bring us pain, but we want to be happy. And when we really can't change our circumstances, we want to change our feelings. We want to feel happy. We want to feel good. And that's when the drinking problem starts. That's when the pill problem starts. That's when the chasing after thrill problem starts. That's when the gambling problem starts. Because we are so miserable in our life, but we want to feel happy. But the Lord says to us, blessed are those who are mourn. Blessed are those who are willing to look inside their life and not just say, you know what, I'm okay, but realize our lacking and realize our sin and realize our need for a Savior and to realize our need for change and to realize our need that we can't fix this on our own, to realize our inadequacies and to realize that Jesus is there for us that we go through those times of mourning, that we go through those times of pain, of realizing our deficits, of realizing our inadequacies. And once we realize those inadequacies, we realize our need for the Savior. And then we realize the presence of that in Jesus Christ. And it's in that and in his forgiveness that we experience true happiness. You know, if you're a Christian, Jesus wants us to know it's going to be spent with times of mourning because not only are you going to mourn about yourself, not only are you going to mourn about your struggles and about your sins, but God's also going to open your eyes to the hurt of the world around us. You know, a lot of times you'll go places and, man, you feel like you're, you know, you're at a fair or you're at like a festival and everybody's happy and everybody seems like they're having a good time, but the Christ, Jesus just kind of opens your eyes and you look around and you just say, man, these people are just so lost. And you feel their hurt. You feel their lostness. And you strive to do something about it. And fighting that fight will always bring you a sense of mourning because Satan rules this earth. And you're going to win some, and you're going to lose some. But the Lord wants us to constantly, as we're here on this earth, Strive to mourn. Strive to go about helping the cares of the world and the problems of the world and the people of the world. Because true joy is not going to be found here upon this earth. True happiness and true joy is only going to be found when we come to be with Jesus Christ where there's no more of that hurting and no more of that suffering, no more of those bad people. And then we'll all get to spend our time with no more mourning and getting to spend our time of laughter and of joy. But then finally, maybe the, the thing that makes us stronger, I mean, makes less sense, is when he said, blessed are you. When people revile you, when they exclude you, when they talk bad about you. Notice the caveat here, for my name's sake, when you're representing from Jesus, not just going around being a jerk, but when you do it for the kingdom of God, when they revile you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, he said, blessed are you, buddy. And then he starts piling on your, he says, rejoice and be happy. Why should I rejoice and be happy? Because great is your reward 
in heaven. Jesus knows as disciples, the first thing that we have to realize in our life is we have to stop seeing this world as the end of all things. A lot of times we just want to see the world. We see things here on the ground. But in our relationship with Jesus, he wants to take us up higher. He wants to take us up above the clouds. He wants us to take and he wants to see this world as a whole. And he doesn't want us to see our time and our life. He wants us to see into eternity. He wants to see bigger pictures. He wants us to see bigger purposes. He wants us to see bigger callings. It's something that's beyond this world. And when we do that, we realize that Jesus has sent us here on this earth, not just to enjoy a lifetime of pleasure here upon this earth, but a lifetime of service to the kingdom. And he says that every bit of mourning, every bit of suffering, and every bit of hunger, that you endure upon this earth for my name's sake will resort in, in rewards unknown, unfathomable, unmeasurable there in heaven. You know, we all know when we die, we can't take the stuff that we have with us. A lot of times that makes us sad. But we all should have the word of encouragement that when we get to heaven, there's going to be things that are waiting on us. And that's the reward. That's the treasure that Jesus has for us when we live our life for him. When we endure times of suffering and when we endure times of hardship for our name's sake, when we turn away the things here upon this earth, we trade them in for treasures of heaven. I want you to think about in your life. Think about if that's the metric, if that's the formula. That the Lord rewards you for the suffering that you endure because you lived your life for Christ. Because you lived your life in obedience to the way that he called you to do. If every time you did that, you received a treasure. Let's think about that treasure as whatever think you would be a great thing. Maybe it'd be a gold coin. Maybe it would be another, another animal to live in your house. Maybe it would be whatever you think would be a great treasure. When you get to heaven, how big would that treasure be? Would it be stacked to the ceiling? Or would it just be bare and empty? Because you lived your life here upon this earth for yourself. That every time the hardship of Christ would come, you just kind of duck and just fit in with the crowd. You were fine when you were at church, but when you got outside these friends' walls, we turned our back on him. Jesus wants to fix our attitude. He wants us to be people of humility, recognizing our need for Jesus. He wants us to have a hunger and thirst for his righteousness and his word. And he wants us to mourn Mourn in our hearts for the sin that exists in our life. Mourn for the sin that exists in our church. And mourn for the sin and the loss that exists here in this world. And he wants us to always constantly be his witnesses. Regardless of what 
the outcome will be. Those are the attitudes that should permeate our life. But too many times we want our life to be filled with joy and happiness and plenty. And so Jesus, Jesus wants to give some warnings when we have all those earthly things. And listen to what he says to us. He says to us, he says to us, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all the people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. You know, there's really nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having a good time. There's really nothing wrong with laughter. But when life is easy, when we have plenty, that's the time we start relying on those things instead of relying on God. We trust in our riches. We trust in our wealth. We desire and we thirst after those compliments. And the more good that we have in the world, the more it seems that we would turn away from God. You don't believe me? Look at what happened to the children of Israel. Boy, when they were in that desert, they were calling on God, right? Because there wasn't no food in the desert. And if they were going to have food, God was going to give it to them. There wasn't no water in that desert, was it? And, um, and so if there was going to be water, you know, God was going to have to give it to them. Boy, they were defenseless in that desert. And if there was going to be a victory in, uh, in their battle, then the Lord was going to have to bring it in a miraculous way. They had no idea where to go or where they were going. So if they were going to get there, they needed God to show them how to get there. They were completely dependent upon God. Then they go in to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And all of a sudden, buddy, there's plenty of food to eat. There's plenty of water to drink. They had armies and they had swords and shields and spears and chariots and all those things. But instead of giving praise to God for all the things that he had blessed them with, they got fat and they got lazy and they started trusting in the things that God had blessed them with instead of trusting the God who had blessed them. We as Christians in America are fat and lazy. We have so much stuff. We've become so content with our riches and our wealth that it hasn't made us thankful to God, but rather it's made us forget. And so sometimes the Lord has to bring us low, doesn't he, to get our attention, just like he did with the children of Israel. Sometimes he has to give us a little attitude adjustment. Sometimes he has to bring hardship. Sometimes he has to bring hunger. Sometimes he has to bring mourning. Sometimes he has to bring poverty. Sometimes he has to do something to bring us low so that our hearts will come back to him. But blessed are us in those times when the Lord brings us low. Because when the Lord brings us low, he's bringing us back to him. 
with even greater riches, with even greater rewards, with greater laughter, and with greater provision. I pray this morning that we live our lives with the right attitude. And if not, we'll allow the Lord to shape our lives every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for all the many things that you've blessed us with, Lord. We thank you for our families. Lord, we thank you for our finances. We thank you for our houses. Lord, we thank you for our food. Lord, we thank you for living in a country where we can just come to any old church and worship any old time that we want to. But Lord, I'm afraid we've all gotten fat and lazy. That we put our confidence in those things that you have, Lord, and we worship them rather than worshiping you who provided them for us. Lord, I pray that you'll refocus our hearts, that you'll refocus our minds, and that you'll change our attitudes, and that we live this life not for ourselves, but for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.